listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast, affectionately known as The Mog, an open forum and promotional outlet for budding artists and creatives from all across the Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Brad Cox, not necessarily affectionately known as anything other than Brad Cox, but I'm here all the same. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on The Mog. Friends, East Coastians, and country men and women of all ages, welcome to the MOG. As always, links for our guests will be made available in the description, and a song or some type of promotional feature will be tacked on to the end of each episode. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Capricost Books, Musicland, Black Eyed Susie's, Double Groove Brewing, Baltimore Decal Gal, and Reb Records. Remember to love local, support local, and to eat and drink local. Don't forget to use discount code MOG. Pod for a 10% discount at Capricost Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing one of Black Eyed Susie's legendary orange crushes and a killer lunch or dinner. Black Eyed Susie's has been supporting local for a long time. It's your one-stop spot for original and cover entertainment and an afternoon or evening out with friends on their rooftop deck. If you haven't heard, there's something very special about Double Groove Brewing. It's a melting pot of personalities, ages, loves, interests, and musical tastes. There are hippies, professionals, rockers, folk artists, friends and families here. Throw in the most delicious and satisfying craft beer on the planet and this place is complete magic. They are tireless supporters of the local talent. Stop by their location in Forest Hill for a pint and a night out with friends. This just in, Get the Let Out, a celebration of the Mighty Zephyr coming to the APG FCU Arena on April 29th at 7.30 p.m. For tickets, visit apgfcuarena.com. First Friday's returns to downtown Bel Air on May 6th. The Bel Air Downtown Alliance is preparing for another exciting year of music and community in the downtown Bel Air area. This county favorite will run through October on the first Friday of every month. And Hartford Dance Theater's The Wizard of Oz is coming to the Chesapeake Theater on May 13th, 14th, and 15th. For tickets and information, visit tickets.harford.edu. Reb Records have been spinning the black circle since the summer of 2019. They got their start in one of the small business incubator locations behind the Bel Air Armory in downtown Bel Air and made a slow but steady ascent in the years that followed. From barely having any walk-up traffic to having lines wrapped around Main Street Bel Air, there's clearly no stopping Mark Santoro and Shaw Lanahan from realizing their musical dreams. They're here to remind us to slow down, listen, and to remember a time when music wasn't a drive-by experience. Join me in welcoming them and their right-hand man, Mr. Jason Shalou, to the MOG. Is that a horse? <laughs> That's a horse. He's in every episode. That's he, pretty awesome, man. Yeah, he kind of catches right people off guard. So I'm going to read the news real quick, and then we'll get right into it. Rapola Entertainment is bringing the rock revival to Zen West on April 23rd, featuring Arizona Bay, playing the hits of Tool, Mr. Old Year performing The Cure, and When Thunder Comes performing The Cranberries, and Transcendent Events has local Havoc and Hollywood frontman Davey Suicide coming to Angel's Rock Bar on May 9th, and be the first to message me the word keychain and receive a $25 gift certificate to the Baltimore decal gal. I guess my first question is, guys, if you're all here, who's at the shop? Our left-hand man, Edward. Okay. <laughs> and Allie. And Allie. So you guys actually have a lot of people working there at this point. At one point, it was just the two of you, really. Actually, uh, in the very beginning, it was uh, Sean, myself, and Sean's wife, Nora. <laughs> okay. Uh, she would work on Wednesdays for like four hours. And then... Uh, I bought a couple records off of her on a Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then uh, Jason uh, <laughs> uh, was very diligent about asking for a job. <laughs> Persistence. That's the word, right? Yes, yes. That's the one. Yeah, probably the better word. Definitely the better word. <laughs> so. The best was when I assaulted Mark in Target. <laughs> True story. <laughs> That's a story right there, so... Yeah, well, I just kept going into the store. I came in on a, on a Friday night, and I, I I asked, I want to say it was Sean that was working that Friday night. Probably. And just said, hey, look, I'm, you know, any chance you're hired, I'm looking for a job. And uh, he said, you know, I think we're thinking about that. And so the next time I went in, I, I would go in each week and buy a record. Yeah. Like, just have to dig something out of the bin and find something. He was something softening us up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I would so go back and forth between the two of them and ask, you know. And then uh, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm ready. Are we ready to make this happen? Yeah. And I ran in the market in the uh, potato chip aisle at Target. <laughs> True story. And that was, that was the thing. I'm like, look, Mark, I'm ready to start working. Can we make this happen? And then after I got halfway around the store, I ran into him again. He's like, I swear on, I'm not stalking you. And I was like, okay, kind of man. stalking, a little bit of stalking. <laughs> I would say it worked out, though, right? Yeah, I think it but you've been there for a while now. It's been at least a year, right? Uh, yeah, it's probably uh, – It's going on two and a half. It's going on yeah. two and a half, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we started the business, I mean, really, Mark and I had full-time jobs. And, and – you know, we weren't ready to move on from that yet for obvious reasons. But you, you know? started with an online shop, correct? We did. We did. Okay. We did. Um, like, if you take this thing back to where we started, um, we bought a really, really large record collection and had no idea what we were going to do with okay. it. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it, it really was like, so there was a shop that we went to down in the Dundalk area a bunch. Okay. Owned by a couple. The couple split. They closed their shop down. And when we heard about them closing their shop down, I picked up the phone. I called Mark. I said, hey, what do you think it would take? And like, really, we had no plans. It was totally just spur of the moment, like no thought process at all. We kind of talked through it. We said, all right, well, why don't we see if they're interested in selling the whole thing to somebody? So I went. Oh, ahead. you were going to try to buy their shop, not their shop, just, just inventory. their inventory. Okay. Just the inventory. Um, So so it it actually ended up working out for us because they needed to get out of the location quickly. They didn't really have the manpower to figure it out. So Mark and I had a number. They had a number. They happened to be identical. Yeah. And and we were able to do that. And then Mark and I spent, what, like three weekends – Boxing records. Uh, what was it? We figured it was about 18,000 records. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. where did the idea for the online shop start? Was one of you kind of pursuing this and the other decided, I want to build upon this? Or did yeah. you get together and do it together all along? So essentially, when we saw that the place was closing and Sean called me, we, we had the same idea, you know, separately yeah. in our heads. And then he called me and he's like, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had to work that day at my other job. So Sean went down there and he knew the owner fairly well. So he went down there and got into a conversation with her and basically said, Hey, you know, we want it all. That's wild. So see, I didn't know that part of the story. I, I went yeah. back and was reading articles in the Baltimore sun. Yeah. They may have glazed over that, but I, I didn't see it. So long story short, we get down there. He makes the offer. She accepts the offer. And, uh, they had three separate, rooms one was a storefront per se okay. that had priced and cleaned records the other one was like a, a 
a 45, a DVD, CDs, video games, everything. Yeah. And then the third bay was was a cesspool. (laughs) It was it was. Can't even imagine what was in there because we could not imagine what was in there. We can't sell that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need a special section of the store for yeah, that. It was bad. So <laughs> the way the online thing happens is we get this 18,000 record collection. We Jeez. We box it all up in while the flea market is open. Um, but you were also getting like people bringing you stuff too, like like kind of like Capricose books where like people just drop off boxes yeah, of records. Yeah, absolutely. And at some point you had to be like, okay, we are stacked. Well, you, you know, it's funny. So, like, out of that eighteen thousand, there were there was probably what, like, three, four thousand records yeah. that were clean, priced, ready to sell, good to go. So, so we took that stuff, and we we really had a small record shop set up in my basement, and we started. Really? Yeah. Yes. Did people know to go there? Or? No, 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 no. Not we, for the public. We, okay. Not for the public. And we started selling online on Discogs, which is a online music marketplace. Yes. CDs vinyl everything that became very instrumental in my trademark lawsuit because i had to basically flesh out the timeline so i wanted to make sure that it was everywhere it could possibly be but i didn't really understand the concept of discogs yeah it's a huge database but then an online marketplace as well it's the online marketplace i didn't know yeah so we started selling there and like we got a few months into it and and we were doing okay. Like we were getting orders every day and it was kind of cool. But like I said to Mark <laughs> at that point, I said, you realize like at this current pace, we're going to be a hundred before we sell through all this inventory. <laughs> right. You know, because we had that in my basement, but then we had another, we had a storage locker. And I think it was what, like a 10 by, 10, 10 by, 15. 10, 10 by 15 storage locker filled floor to ceiling and all the way up to the, to the door, door with records, equipment, boxes and boxes, boxes and boxes of CDs. And was that part of bringing uh, Jason in here? Like you're going to have to put some of this stuff in your house. That's part of like the, <laughs> the terms and conditions of being at Red Records. No. Do you have a basement? <laughs> we should have thought of that, but yeah. um, we but, did that during the pandemic. Yeah, we we yes, did. I did. I did sort and price God, records you know, in my basement I didn't even during think the pandemic. To ask about the pandemic. How did you guys weather that? That had to be really rough. We actually were talking about that on the way over to to see uh, you today. Yeah, actually, the the pandemic ended up being so that shutdown period. In a in in some ways, it was good for us, and it was good for us in that, you know, like our business when we started, it was really like. Is janky a good word for it? I mean, we were figuring a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Mark and I had full-time jobs that required a lot of hours. So we were doing evenings, weekends. We were open, you know, before we brought Jason on, we were open Friday nights, five to eight or five, five to, nine, to nine. Five to nine. Wow. Saturdays and Sundays. And that was it. Um, except my wife would work Wednesday. Yeah. So we were open Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. I mean, it, it's not a way to run a business. And and then when Jason came on, it allowed us to get open more days. But, you know, really, like, early on, there wasn't time to do everything we wanted to do with the business. Right. Like, like everything you were doing, you were reacting to whatever was right in front of your face. You weren't yeah. doing anything strategic with it. So more reactive than proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the shutdown, although... N- n- you know, yeah, you're not selling anything when that's going on and, and you don't have income coming in. Um, it allowed us to kind of refocus, reorganize and sure. and approach some things that we needed to approach with the business and take action on them 
which I mean, really, like when we reopened from the shutdown, it was kind of a springboard for us. That's when our business really took off. And luckily, because, you guys were in that incubator space where the rent was so low. Yes. That, that, that the yeah. support of town of Bel Air with that was phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, you know, we tried doing a couple of things like we, we did a couple of like weekends where where we'd put used drops out because at that time we were strictly used vinyl. I remember and, that. And, and we were running deliveries to people's houses. So we'd, we'd put it out on a Friday night and like literally Mark and I would stay at the shop until like midnight organizing orders, taking payments over the phone via PayPal, like getting addresses and, and then Saturday morning, we'd come in early, get a cup of coffee and figure out, all right, you're going this way. I'm going that way. And we'd run deliveries for like five hours. Yep. And we're dropping Damn. bags of records off on people's front porch. You need like a, a vinyl Uber out there or something. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It, it yeah, but how many weeks did that like. last, Sean? Two. Two. <laughs> two. And, and after two I'm weeks. Done. After two they weeks, I said, I said to Mark, I said, this was really cool and it was a lot of fun. We can't keep doing this. <laughs> But honestly, it was uh, a great, like, it was pretty much in the middle of COVID. Yeah. And the two weeks allowed us to stay engaged with, you know, the customer base that we had already developed in, you know, in the few months we've been open. Do you and- remember when you were able to start opening those doors again? I feel like it was right after that. Like, I, I yeah, feel like those two ass. things were right against each other. Yeah. And I remember just being thrilled. Two, three weeks later, tops. It was what, middle of May? I yeah. think that, that yeah. year. So we were shut down from mid-March, I think, was about what it was. And it was funny because, like, at that point, I think we had kind of made the decision on our own. Hey, we're going we're gonna to hit pause here, pump the brakes, and see what's going to happen. You know, like everybody remembers two weeks to, you know, to, to what, what was it? The short, the flatten, flatten, flatten the, curve. the curve. That was yeah. it. The right. flatten the curve. And that turned into two years. Um, I'm, but still, like, I'm still canceling shows at the college because of it, because even though things have changed here yeah. in the U.S., if we're bringing a show in from China, like the yeah. Golden Dragon Acrobats, they're still like on lockdown. Sure. So we're still canceling shows yep. and it's just it's still happening. Yes. Two weeks. Yeah. Uh, more like yeah. three years to get out of this. <laughs> yeah. So for two months, we were shut down. Yeah. and But it ended up being productive. You know, Mark and I were at the shop almost. Four or five days a week. Yeah, four or five days a week, just, just organizing, cleaning. Well, there was that, yeah. <laughs> but we were still working at our yeah. other jobs. Yeah. So, so was... what are the other jobs? I was going to ask you about that. Do you want to say? or you... no, We can say. I, yeah. I, now I mean, we can say. Okay. Well, can, I, can I say first, my, my yeah. favorite part of doing this right now is that we actually get to use both of your names in public. <laughs> So like so yeah, the first was... two and a half years, like <laughs> I was doing all the videos and doing all the online stuff because we couldn't say who they were. Jason was the face of rep. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. And, and so like I, I mean, I, I it was difficult to find your names. That's why I asked you in the thread. Like even the Baltimore Sun article <laughs> only references one of your names. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was totally intentional. That was intentional. Yeah, yeah. that was to- yeah. so I, I was I, like ready to walk into the ocean. Like, what are their names? And then yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna have to ask. <laughs> we were off the grid. It was yeah. more. The last names, so, but yeah. So I, 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 we both spent a lot of time in in retail. I, I spent 25 years with the same company in in a retail setting, um, and uh, you know, really, it was one of those things where, like, it, it was the only company I'd known, and it got to a point where. There was a point where things changed with the job. And I said, all right, I need a change here. But I was never quite sure what that change was going to be. Like, you do something for so long, you right. don't know, like, all right, hey, what else 
can you do or what else would it's you like want to do? It's like local music. Like at a certain point, you feel like you've kind of like exasperated local music. What are you going to do? You're going to start a podcast. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah. No, it, it was kind of like that. And, and you know, I think like the, the record shop was born of that same, like Mark and I were kind of in similar spots, yeah, you know, absolutely. in our careers and like, hey, you know, I know I... I'm too young to retire and not do anything. Right. But I know that this isn't what I want to do anymore. You mean you're not 60 years old? No. Okay. <laughs> not 60 years old. I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah. So I, I kind of spent 25 years doing that. And, you know, from a entry level sales and, and management position all the way up to, you know, where I got in the multi-unit district management with that company, and I was handling a, a business that was forty stores in in, in a in a Baltimore geography, you yeah. know, that whole metro area. And now, for me, I was a uh, store manager of a big box bookstore. Okay, so you were like the enemy, the enemy of Love Local. Yes, fair enough, though. So, you have to make a living, and, and there was a conflict of interest because we yeah. we sold music, and so. For me, yeah. And so for me, I had to be very cautious because we were not in a position, obviously, to take ourselves full time into the business, and I couldn't lose my job. So sure. So that benefits and yep. Got yeah. Well, I want to thank you both and you, Jason, as well, for supporting the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast because I was on Rich Bennett's show, Hartford County Living, and he was like, one of the things that was very interesting is you actually had sponsors before you had episodes. And I said, I think that the people were buying into the idea that they knew I was going to do it, you know? So I really do appreciate you guys supporting the show. Why did you choose to support the show? Well, honestly, Brad, based on a personal relationship yeah. that we were able to develop with you Almost from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, really discussing your love of the band Sticks. And uh, <laughs> I, I've got questions about Sticks in here. <laughs> I do. They're in here. It's coming. But, but no, I mean, I think it was that. And I think, you know, one of, one of the other things that's been important to us through this whole like journey to like, we've been open for almost three years now to be three years in, in July. And, and, one of the things that's been really important to us is community and not just, I mean, what, a part of it's community we live in. We're local guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we, I, I've been in the Bel Air area for over 20 years. Mark as well. Jason grew up in this area. So, you know, like, like we're raising our kids here, the ties to the community that that's important to us. Um, so, you know, but also like, really developing a music community in yep. our store. Like, you know, we have customers where like, we have friendships, like you became one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got customers now where we're, we're truly friends with them. We've gotten to know them. A lot of our customers are musicians. Um, you know, anything we can do to support the local community or the local music community is something we want to be involved in. So for, for us, it was really a no brainer from that perspective. So I do. I remember coming up there weekly after yep. the Orient, Lisa <laughs> yep. and I would go in there, we'd throw some shaded sticks and then <laughs> we, we'd have some conversation. But back in those days, and I said this in the intro, it was like, there wasn't a lot of walk up traffic no. until oh, there was, God. but then there was like a light bulb moment. I don't know what that light bulb moment was, but you guys were like all of a sudden like on fire. So 
do you know kind of like when that that turning point was was it the first record store day because all of a sudden it was like literally i would see pictures on facebook like i gotta go up there now while they still have the inventory you know i think it first started what's that christmas 2020 yeah so so you know town of bel-air did that that whole winter wonderland thing and a lot of it yes. was centered right there on the, the park rides. next to the armory the carriage rides they had jazz bands hot chocolate i think santa literally sat right on the other side of our wall he yeah right? he was yes. right on the other oh, side really? he, did. he yeah. was yeah. in one of those incubator year. locations yeah okay. well he, he was out in the courtyard but the, yeah. the courtyard our, our unit yeah, backed yeah, up yeah. On there's the that raised platform that's yeah. at the back of the park and that's where he was in his sleigh so I, you know, I remember like all of a sudden, like we started like doing like these huge Saturdays, people constantly in the shop and, and like, I mean, holy crap, it was awesome. And a lot of people found us that had never found us before. Like yeah. back there, there are a lot of great things with that marketplace and that incubator space, like, you know, the controlled rent aspect of it, the not having a long-term commitment where you know, you sign a six-month lease, and then you go month to month. So if you get six months into something, you say, hey, this doesn't work. There, no harm, right. no foul. You're out. You can, yeah. you know. Um, it's kind of like everybody's business dream, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We could not have done this without that opportunity. Um, you it know, brought and, some really cool things to Bel Air, too. Yes. And lasting things. Like, people maybe that wouldn't have thought they could actually – sustain a business did yeah like capricos is still around they're not here but they're still around yeah obviously you guys are, are killing it so yeah and, and and like i mean they're we're not the only business that's moved out of there you've got you know you've got love evolution yoga studio they they just core opened a new spot core, core core boot camps they are were they in gone? that spot before us um and, and then you've got um ferrari frame. trish ferrari frame uh, right there on uh she's at the old baseball card shop do you remember that place yeah I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, actually, she's in the watch. The watch. It's in the same area. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah. So that was really kind of where it started. I I mean, Jason, jump in here if you think anything different. But I remember Jason and I be at the shop, and we were like, "Holy crap! Like, where where did all these people come from?" And a lot of people found us, and then they kept coming. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, that summer was when we had our was when we first got record store day. Yeah, that was huge. That that was. That was giant. For that us. was awesome. It it was. <laughs> but I would I'll say the uh, our customers are, are are loyal. Yes. Like I mean, and that's that's the thing. When we came out of the pandemic, and finally got to open the doors back up, everybody came back. Yes. Yeah. Like I remember Saturdays, we were just seeing the same people coming in, and people were excited to be back and be back buying records, and but but back coming in and talking to us and hanging out and like yeah. it was immediate. I mean, as soon as the building opened back up, we had people in. And every time we were able to add another day of being open, people came. Yeah, like yeah. There, there was rarely was there a day where it was like this really isn't worth being open. It's I like mean, field it was, of dreams. You, right. <laughs> you open the yeah, that's right. Yeah. Open the door, they yeah, will come. You open the door, they come. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that was when we when we opened back up from the shutdown in 2020. That was right when we hired Edward. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was when we brought our second employee on. And, and it was totally by chance. Like Mark and I had been talking about it some, but we hadn't done anything with it. And, and Ed just emailed us out of nowhere and said, hey, I'm looking for a job. I think I think it'd be cool to work at your record shop. You know, yeah. like, well, are I mean, you hiring? And, and yeah, it was funny. We didn't put an ad out. We didn't put anything out. And I said to Mark, I said, we, we should talk to this guy. And, and so we brought him in. We talked to him. We hired him right on the spot. 
And then all of a sudden we had two employees and we were able to open more. We were able to get open more days a week and continue to grow the business by just really being more available. More available, yeah. But I I also think that something that can't be understated is that when people were when people were home and during the lockdown and they weren't working and they weren't going out and they weren't, you know, seeing their friends yeah. that I think music, if it already had a, sp- a spot in your life, all of a sudden. Did you notice like how many bands spot. and musicians yeah. were just doing these live streams every yeah. single night? It was I, like, th- that's what kept us all together. Yep. Yeah. So it, owning a record store is like every kid's dream. Do you feel like you're living a dream? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. when you were doing both jobs, it was like, this is overwhelming as hell. Probably to the point of like, oh, man, it's Friday night. I just want to go home, have a beer, just chill out. No, I got to go to the shop and, and organize records. You got to go to the shop and have a beer and organize records. That's well, maybe. <laughs> well, off the record. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I will say this about the shop. There, there was never a time during that period of time where I was like, hey, I don't want to be So here. you were fired up the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it's working in a record store. What else? I mean, what, yeah. what better job could you have, really? I mean, it's it's what you think it would be. <laughs> well, it, it, it 100% is. And, and, and I love what we do. And, and, you know, it's funny. I said when we were – when I was thinking about a career change, you know, like, like I – I, at first, I was calling. I was calling it early retirement, and my wife said, "Nora said, she said, listen, it's not early retirement. It's a you're career a young change. Guy. I, mean, you're, I know yeah. you're not sixty. She said you decided you want to do something else with your <laughs> yeah. life, and 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 um, but really, part of the reason why we wanted to do it is because we truly enjoy it. Like I, I kept when I was trying to figure out, all right, what the hell do I want to do with this next part of my life? I never. You know, like I could never come up with something where I was like, hey, I can see myself doing that and I'd enjoy it. And yeah. this is like, it, it, it's not work. Well, the, the atmosphere of a record store is something that we grew up with. You grew up with Jason. Yep. Did. Yeah. You go to the mall, you go to to record and tape trader. You, you, you Sounds hear, great. In the Hartford Mall. Yes. Yep. You would hear, you would hear, <laughs> you know, great. new stuff, you know, being played in the store. You would flip through records or, you know, or whatever. And, and it was an experience and there were, yeah. they were everywhere. And then in the blink of an eye, they were all gone. Yeah. I think more people would actually start a business if they weren't completely overwhelmed with the idea of starting a business, be it taxes, filing the paperwork, getting in the bank accounts. One of you had to have that business savvy to be able to jump in and make that that call. Well, I think because we were both in retail for, you know, half of our lives, that a lot of those things were very, very easy for us because we had done them. Uh, I will say also to plug the town of Bel Air, their economic department was very helpful. If you okay. had any kind of questions, you could go to them and and they were they were a nice support. Now luckily awesome. Sean and I yeah I didn't realize that was even a resource. So yeah. Oh yeah. So luckily Sean and I had lots of experience with doing these things and um it did it did smooth the waters quite a bit. Any advice you'd give to young entrepreneurs yourself? Um, I would say probably based off what you've already said, you got to be 100%. I think you also need to – you have to know what you're going to do. So you have to research it a little bit. Right. There's stuff there that you can learn um, without maybe necessarily having done something like that before sure. just to get a feel. And you guys know – you know music. You'd have to know music. If you didn't know music – you can't run a record shop and somebody comes in and they're like, do you have Zeppelin too? And you're like, I don't know what Zeppelin is. What is a Zeppelin? Well, honestly, one of the things that... <laughs> I'm sure you had some of that just growing up, but you know what I mean. Like One of the things that, that Edward brought to the shop, the guy, honestly, the guy's a music savant. 
Like I, I, I I'm sure yeah. Jason and Sean can agree. I've You're never all met very but knowledgeable. But Edward knew, like his his scope of what he knows, Ooh. the yeah. range is like is it, impressive. It's, it's ridiculous, and he's 22. And like one minute he can talk to somebody about like death metal, and the next minute he's talking about classic jazz, or yeah. or you know like like. So he's all over the map. Modern alternative yeah. or punk, and, and and he's extremely knowledgeable about it. Um, you know, and, and that helped us a ton because it allowed us to expand our offering to our customers. Yeah. And 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 it really it forced us to learn about stuff that like I mean we're we're we have about, our lane. We have our lane. Like I grew <laughs> I grew up in the eighties and the nineties. So like you know like, right. I, and, and I think it's a lot different for younger people now than it was for us so like like for us if you were going to listen to something new you were you were invested in it right you had to go buy it like like you had to go buy an album right spend your money on it to try something new and then you might not like it kids now like i i we've had this conversation a bunch i think streaming platforms help us and i think it helps us from the perspective of like our customer base, like when we started expanding what we carried, shifted much younger than it was Absolutely. when we first opened up. Um, you know, we we have we have high schoolers in our shop every day, all the way up to you know people in their seventies. So you you see streaming platforms as a good way to for them to get a preview to then buy the record. Yes, yes. happens all the time, and and their and their range of musical taste is very diverse. It, it's classic rock, it's nineties alternative, it's rap and hip hop, it's soul, it's it's everything. It's, it's jazz. It's yeah, and and. So what we're finding is, is that kids today are getting into a heck of a lot more stuff than we did. I was waiting we for like a Clint up. Eastwood, like these kids today get off my lawn. <laughs> well, that's my no. job. <laughs> get off my that's lawn. That's how I feel. Um, but no, I, I, like I think that the streaming has actually helped physical media and, and vinyl specifically in that well, I think respect. The, the the best example of that is, uh, I guess, a year or two ago, one of the songs from uh, Fleetwood Mac's "Rumors" uh, blew up on TikTok. Like a cover of landslide or something like that. I don't, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't I, TikTok is an app or some kind. I don't. I don't really know. It's, it's on <laughs> a cellular. Them, it's on a cellular telephone. The, the TikToks. <laughs> on the TikToks. But then, like, I mean, like, w- w- whenever this thing broke, whatever video it was, people were watching. We began to. Now we always kind of sold that record fairly regularly. We'd say right. Yeah. But it was like it, <laughs> yeah. it, it began to be a daily thing. We could sell it new. We could sell it used. We could sell it scratched up. We could sell it whatever, like bargain bin. Didn't matter. That record would sell. Yep. And it, but it, that's how that's how the kids found it was 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 an online thing. Like it wasn't you know it wasn't like I was in my parents' car and I heard you know I heard you know uh, one of the songs off of there. Go your own way, right? Like it was I, I heard it on this video and then now all of a sudden they're coming in and buying the record. So why the resurgence of vinyl? You're not gonna have a resurgence of cassettes. You're not gonna have a resurgence of CDs. But vinyl, this is like perfect timing for you guys. But there is a resurgence of vinyl. So would you say that vinyl is a superior sounding medium or is it a superior experience? Do you think I really both? think it comes down to both. I mean, you know, like the difference between vinyl versus CDs or streaming, it's, you know, that's compressed, you know, it is electronic files and, and you, you lose stuff with that. You do, but you're recording at much higher quality than you ever were able to back in the 70s or 80s. So you're getting a higher quality sure. recording that's basically losing something with the compression. 
Yeah. So it's kind of a trade-off. Yeah. But I do think that there is something to the vinyl experience. It's more that tangible, hands-on thing that I think people miss. I I think that's go ahead, Jason. Well, I think it's got I, I think it's got a lot to do with that. I think the I think the ceiling on audio quality is higher with vinyl. Like as as your equipment gets better and better, I mean it's just I mean vinyl sounds great. It's warm. It's analog. It is. It's, you know, um, so even on the things that are recorded new and pressed to vinyl, like if your if your gear is good, that's going to blow away any streaming. That you're ever going to do. Yeah, no, nobody's just, like, man, I can't wait to put this on cassette. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Get a couple J cards yeah. out. We sell, Brad, we, what I really miss is tape hiss. You know, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, so we, we, we sell some cassettes, and, 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 sure. and there are weeks where we sell quite a few cassettes. As for, a novelty, it's a yeah, great It's more like idea. a novelty yeah. thing. But every once in a while, like, Eber would put one on. Like, he'd find something in the bin that he thought was cool and put it on. And... You probably released some of your first it musical sound, it cassette. It sounded awful. I did release my first musical cassette, actually. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> and, uh, and because it, the tape hiss and the things, like, it doesn't have, and it doesn't hold up over the years. Yeah. But we've got vinyl that are decades old in the store. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So, like, there's that. But I do think it's the physical, tangible, having something in your hand. It is. Because, like, like my kids didn't grow up with that. My kids grew up with, you know, listening to stuff on their tablets and and phones and stuff like that. And so it's it's a new thing to them to be able to pick up and read the notes. Sure. Remember, guys, like we would get yeah. records or CDs. Oh, absolutely. I want to rip in and find out, like, you know, are the lyrics in there? Do I know who played on it, who recorded it? Yeah, they want to, I'm going to Is there the bonus info. content even with these re-releases, yeah. the yeah. special editions? And I think another important thing that I've always maintained with the experience piece is that when you put a, a, a record on, you're not you're going to drop it on track one and you're going to listen to the end of side one right. and you're going to flip it and then you're going to drop it on track six, we'll say, you listen through 12 or 10 or whatever it is. Yeah. And in my mind, what's cool about that is you <clears throat> essentially are, there's a reason why that artist put those right. songs in that We put a order. lot of thought into that. Yeah, it's not an accident. Track one is track one for a reason. Track yeah, it's 12 not a playlist. Track, it's, it's an album. Yeah, it's yeah. 12 for a reason. So that, ex- that experience piece Yes. Yeah, I, I like, you know, you, you hear things in a certain way and I, I'm like, well, why was that after this? And there's there, there's a flow to an album and yes. and then there's more of a message a lot of times in an album that you don't, when you when you buy a song, you, you stream a song, that's one song. But when you go ahead and listen to the whole thing and then you have, you know, there's artwork that's selected. Inside, outside, whatever, and it, that it's just—it's amazing. It's all part it of the is, package. Yeah. yeah, it's all part it, of the thing. Yeah. Like when I release new music myself, I hate just sharing the one song because I want them to hear the one song in context of the whole yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like, well, if you heard everything that was around it, you would like it that much more. Well, and I think, you know, so I think more and more artists are moving towards that physical media. And, and let's face it, the musicians aren't making money on streams. No. It's it's point zero zero three. It's cents. ridiculous. Yeah how little they profit off of their off of their music right. through through streams so a lot more artists are moving t- towards vinyl because they can actually make some money off of that which is great yeah. but i think the other thing is it, it puts them in a position where you're getting better music for that reason that mark's talking about like i think i feel like there was a period of time when itunes first came out where somebody's just trying to write us you know a, a song, song. A hit one hit song that was going to get downloaded just go know. viral and yeah yep. cash out and, 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 you know, listening to an album is definitely a different experience than just a playlist or a song. And think about how often you listen to a record in your life and your favorite song is not the one that was on the radio. It's not. It, it's rarely. Yeah. Hit. 
and how many times you missed a song and the 10 year massive uh streaming you know whatever that that you didn't have the record you had the song and so you missed stuff that was right awesome like when we used to come down here on a friday night and drink beers it, it would be weird to like let's put on the spotify playlist that's not what we did. We pulled out the record that we just bought at the shop. Absolutely. And we yeah. vibed and drank our beers. And, and yeah, yeah like the, I pointed to that Kansas record because it was like that record was meant to be listened to from front to Absolutely. back. Yeah. Yep. It sounds weird out of context almost. Anyway, we'll always do a fun questions portion, kind of to break it up. You guys have a lot of records coming through the shop. What are some of your favorite albums? And uh, we'll start with you, Sean. Favorite albums of all time? Favorite albums albums are are currently in the shop right now. Let's go with your favorite of all time. My favorite of all time. So I'd have to say like my top three are probably going to be U2 War, Beatles Rubber Soul. I'd have to throw Afghan Wigs Gentleman into my top three there. See, I've never heard that. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to check that one out. Mark? I'm not going to give you a top three, but I'm going to give you a, like a, a life-altering one. It was <laughs> REM document was... Yeah. He was going to say that. It was my... Because you're the big REM fan, right? Now it's me. No, oh, it's, it's you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I knew one of you was an yeah, REM fan. I was my, way late to the REM party. Yeah, that was I uh, my gateway. Kind of surprised you didn't say sticks, but... Uh, <laughs> into, you know, I guess alt-rock or yeah. whatever, late 80s, indie rock, whatever. Yeah. That, that was it. Was that your pivot away from Def Leppard? Yes. And hair metal. <laughs> We've well, all had our 80s experiences. Yeah. I grew up on that stuff. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about you, Jason? So so my, my all-time favorite album uh, is by a band called Chagall Guevara that nobody's ever heard of. Because um, you can't say it or spell it publicly. We've heard of it because Because so, I talk about it all the time. The record is that good. Um, and so, so that, and then uh, number two, write that down for me. <laughs> I'll put that down for you. Yeah. Uh, Abbey Road by the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, is my number two. And then I think my number three winds up being What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Every single track. Yep. It's weird to me, though, when a band writes a record where every single track is great and then every single album just progressively gets worse, <laughs> like Pearl Jam. I get some hate for that. But it's kind of like, guys, you used to write really, really great songs. What happened? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'll ride with well, Oasis all the way to the end. I will. Well, I mean, I think I, I don't I don't know that there was a I don't know that they have any one album that from start no, they, to they finish is, is, is that. But I, I think there's things on every record that are that are great. So favorite song about vinyl? You got like Big 10-inch Record by Aerosmith. I, I mentioned uh, Spin the Black Circle. Um, I don't know. Rock and Roll Records by Eric Clapton. What do you got? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a good question. Silence. <laughs> the sound of silence. <laughs> All right, well, we'll just move on. on. Yeah, move on. That question's in the trash. Come sail away by sticks. <laughs> yes. It is the, uh, the grand illusion <laughs> by sticks. <laughs> what were some of your favorite musical shops growing up? Not necessarily record shops, but your favorite musical shops, be it Musicland or Soundgarden or some of these other places. The, the when When I thought that I wanted to play guitar, and before I realized that I just didn't have the work ethic to put in the practicing to play guitar, uh, I, I bought the guitar that I still own from uh, from Musicland here in, oh, in, awesome. in Bel Air. Um, record shops for for me, um, 
you know, record and tape, the original record and tape when it was a locally owned company with like 10 locations in the Baltimore area, like, you know, especially in college, like every Friday I'd get a paycheck and I'd be at record and tape traders in Towson. And, you know, yeah. I, I knew the folks there pretty well at the time. And, and, uh, so for like, for me, um, that's probably, um, the big one, you know, now that I'm, uh, you know, now that I own a shop and I've gone to some other places, like I've been to some record shops around the country and like Reckless Records in Chicago is great. Uh, Sugar Records out there down in, in Nashville. Vinyl Tap is awesome. Um, that might be my nice. that might be my my favorite nice. record store that I've been in outside of our own. Um, Agreed. <laughs> you mentioned record and tape traders. I just yeah. want to do a real quick shout that you do support local musicians in your shop as well. You've yeah. got Benny Clow in there. Who else you got in there? We had Dinosaur Project last Friday. Um, What's the one with the really cool artwork on the cover? It was like in your old shop. Oh, like, that was Unknown Nobodies. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That, that Corey and... Um, Jack, Jack, Jack moved. Because that was always one of the exciting things. You could be like, my my CD is a record and tape traders. Yeah, you know, yeah. that was like a big deal. A rite of passage. Yep, that <laughs> Paper Hearts, Mike Smith. Um, you know, Mike's been a huge supporter of the shop from the time we opened. I, uh, he played at our grand opening in the old place. And, okay, and uh, uh, it, it was the first time he had played in front of a live audience in like ten years prior yeah, to that. Yeah. It was like Elvis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know you were a musician in your former life, Jason. Yeah. How still, about you still guys? Occasionally. Did you guys play in, in bands growing up or anything like that? Um, I'm like Sean. Tried. Okay. Tried. Picked up the guitar way too late. I think I was 40 when I took my first lesson, okay. and then trying to like do multiple things and having 40 year old fingers that don't want to work the way they want to work. <laughs> so I still tool around but i'm i'm not good at it so so do you ever have people come into the shop and then you can tell by the speed in which they're browsing that they're probably not going to buy anything but mainly probably being that they don't have a record player so you guys actually have record players in the shop but do you see that look on people's face like they're they're kind of looking through like they're going way too fast to be buying anything and there's probably a reason it's often when it, when like a group comes in and then at least somebody in the group has a turntable and is looking for something right yeah and then everybody else is kind of looking through but then you start hearing the comments well you know i don't even have a turntable you know you start hearing that so then of course you know we like to try to help out with that when we can yeah. Yeah. We, we have sold records like especially from like the budget bin because because of the artwork or the cover yeah. or people get them they frame them they put them in their their club basement or in their room or whatever so that that physical part yeah is, is a huge element also and you, you're talking, Jason, you talk to every single person that walks in there for the most part. But it's a sales job, too. Do you enjoy engaging with the public? I mean, oh, I, you'd have to, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, we kind of felt like, I mean, that's what we wanted to do was to create a, like an environment where people wanted to come in yeah. and hang out in the store and talk and buy records. I mean, you can buy records other places. Yeah. You can you can buy records online, but you can't get that experience of coming into the shop. Like we all record tape traders, right? We all used to go to different ones. I, yeah. the one up here in Bel Air was the one that I uh, went to most of the time, but there was always that environment when you went into the store and we wanted to create that, recreate that. Absolutely. We wanted yeah. to make sure that, that the younger next generation got that and that the people our age got to recapture some of that, you know? Yeah. And, and Brad, one thing that is really cool is when you help somebody find something that, they've been looking for that they've been looking for like and i think back over like like different experiences i've had since we've been doing this like i 
you know, really early on, one of our first customers, a guy named Doug, he comes into our shop all the time. And, and he had told me a story about, um, about the band's self-titled album. Okay. And, and like, it was the first album his dad had bought for him when he was younger. And then, you know, he was married, got divorced. The ex-wife took the album. He hadn't had it since then. Oh, and uh, he had just missed getting one from us. We we had one in a video. Somebody else bought it right before he could. And, and like like two weeks later, I bought a collection. It had that record in it. I remembered that conversation. So I reached out to Doug and I just said, hey, I got your record for you. What are you talking about? See, that's that, that's that next step with the customer. He, that's awesome. He was, yeah, he was so happy. And like, it meant so much to him. And it was just really cool to have that experience and that connection with him. And like, I think that's the cool thing about music. It's kind and of like, like, like I came in and got the rock and roll swindle. You guys yeah. just handed it to me. It was like. Yeah, go ahead and take it. <laughs> yeah, and like, so I think that for us and being able to connect people with music, because like, like one of the great things about music is like music means different things to different people. Like, you know, an artist can write a song and that song is about, has a certain meaning for them, but you listen to that song and based on whatever, like your life experiences right. at the time, where right. you are in your life, it means something different for you. It's like, and that's a really cool thing about music and, and being able to connect people with that meaning or with that, you know, with that experience, I think for us is like the coolest thing. I know for me, it's yeah. one of my favorite things about and, what and we to do. Tag on to that. What's really awesome is to see parents bring their kids yeah. into the shop. Yeah. And watching their eyes light yeah, up. Like, like dads and moms are like, I just, I want them to hear what I loved when I was their age. And That's cool. uh, it's really cool because then you, you get a combination of them buying stuff that you know maybe 20 years old or 30 years old plus the kids are buying stuff that they're listening to so there's a whole well speaking of that what were some of your first records that you were introduced to by your parents uh, i actually my parents were not really huge into music it was really my brother who was three years older than i did um, they bristle at it like because they were like not into rock no and roll, it, it was uh it wasn't no bristling it was you know it was just stuff I didn't listen to. It was, you know, uh, some stuff from like the like the fifties or, oh. or the forties, and so I wasn't a little you know, Elvis, a little Dolly, maybe. Yeah, just stuff I wasn't. In. My brother was, you know, the first album I can I can really remember like hearing and being like, wow, it was actually Pyromania from Def Leppard. So would that come out in 84? 83. 83. So I was, you know, 10, 11 years old, and I heard like that album that my brother brought at home, and I was like, what is this? And and I distinctly remember loving every single solitary song, and 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 like um, he he brought home uh, Peace of Mind from Iron Maiden. I remember yes. hearing the, the Trooper, and I was like, what? Is, this is incredible. Yeah. And so it was really my brother that uh, that opened that window up for me. And it, now, now my taste changed relatively quickly away from that into more you know alternative rock. But the reality is um, that that's that's the memories and that I have of really getting in um, to liking groups and bands and, and music in general. Yeah. You know, I think for, for me, like, I remember like my parents, they didn't have a big music collection either, but like they had Abbey Road on vinyl, yeah. Meet the Beatles on vinyl. And, and I remember those being some of the first things I listened to. And then God, how many did they press of those records? <laughs> Every parent <laughs> they still had press them. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, 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 
you know, but so that like that's kind of where it started for me. And I remember my mom would try to buy me stuff. Like she'd go to Woolworths and they'd have like their bargain bin, and she'd be like, she'd bring me home like, like I remember like Andy Gibbs shadow dancing and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Um, but but then for for me where music really clicked was he like, still puts that one on when we leave the yeah, shop all, you know all that, the right? time that, like 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 I remember the dirty like, secrets when of I was Red a Records. kid I'm, like she Shadow gave me she gave me a Sean it. Cassidy record there was there was the Peter Chris solo Kiss album I, I still have those things but that's so cool but for for me where it really clicked was like early eighties my my parents got cable television for the first time and there was MTV yeah. when, when MTV played music and, and early on it was all like, if you remember all the videos that were on MTV early on, were all British bands. Like, like the it's British true. bands were so much further ahead of American bands with like that, that media. And, and um, so it was, you know, stuff like you two and, and, and seeing like David Bowie and, like I remember, men without hats, and you know, uh, and, uh, yeah, that was a little bit later, yeah, yeah. But um, but that was where I really started to form my musical taste. Was you had like that '80s new wave period, the Clash, Post the Clash and, was yeah. always on, you know, and and so that was where it kind of clicked for me, and where I kind of started to form my taste, and then yeah, hair metal. Yeah. So for somebody that's younger that maybe isn't into vinyl records just yet, one of the things that's very cool about music, and we were just kind of talking about this, is that music has a way of transcending age, politics, culture. I just had this band yeah. on uh, from southern Israel, a band called the Dodies. Super cool group, but they love Western rock and roll music. That's just what they're into. Why is consuming music in a physical form so important? for a young listener for sean and myself and jason the music is kind of like a it's an integral part of our lives because we've you all know, seen this smart kid that's like oh, i'll just stream it on spotify i'll just watch it on youtube it's like yeah but yeah well i mean i think the like we, we hit on it a little bit earlier the like when you have the record in your hand and you so you've got the liner notes and you've got the, the art and all the stuff that goes with it that that kind of helps deepen your appreciation for what it, it is. It triggers and, memories that last. And I, I get excited even still when we're going through bins of records and I might pull something out and look at it. Oh, this was produced by so-and-so. He worked on this record or this record or that, you know, and all of a sudden the web is building, you know, the, right. the connections, uh, you know, between the records. And it's not just this one song or this one album. It's, you know, this guy played bass on this or this or this. And there's all this other, yeah. like it gets connected and brought together. And so then you're a part of something bigger. You're not just this one little song or one little record. You're, this record is now part of this big, like history of rock and roll or history of music. So paint me a picture. What's the ideal listening experience? Are we are we turning on the the lava lamp? You know, <laughs> what, what, what are we doing? Uh, I think it depends on burning uh, incense, <laughs> lighting candles. Like, what are you doing? Honestly, for I think probably for all three of us, we we have music going on in the house almost all the time. So whether I'm doing like housework or i'm i'm like yeah. intentionally listening there's something there's some some noise in the background that's just part of my life um so i don't i don't know if there was a particular listening experience well yeah like i was saying like well friday nights we would come down here yeah we would dim the lights we'd start drinking our beers and throw on the music and it was like that was an experience well i have a chair in front of my in front of my system okay that recline so you know, for me if i'm like really trying to like unwind and, and take it all in i'll sit in my chair and i'll is that like the memorex ad exactly. like the <laughs> yeah. yeah he's just like blowing back in the that's seat. exactly right that's it <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you guys, I, it, it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. I'm sure you've had some some challenges along the way. What's the biggest challenge that you've run into up to this point? Getting merchandise. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, supply chain right now is probably supply chain and, and then just increasing costs that go along with it. That's really been the biggest challenge for us. I you know, like like I, I order all our restocks and I literally order records from 10 different places just to just to get inventory. Yeah. And, and you know, like I, I think for us, that's that's been the biggest thing is just making sure that we are able to stay stocked. So what's next for you guys? Are you going to bring the, the coffee bar into the experience? I mean, you have <laughs> I know there's a lot of coffee bars, but I feel like you guys could actually have like a little coffee so- station and a couch. The first thing we, we did, and Jason really spearheaded this, and you mentioned it before, was the local music. And we're really, really passionate about it. So essentially what we're doing is Friday nights, sometimes on Saturdays, depending on how the schedules work out, um, we are going to bring local bands into the store to play original tunes. So a lot of these bands that play around town game. have to play covers. If you go if you go to to like the tower or whatever you're playing oh, yeah, covers. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying they can play their own music. Yes. That we that they have that's to. That's what we're requesting. That's the request. And BMI, you don't want to well, yeah, I'm, get I'm a take on their license. Yeah. 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 Well, not just you know coming up playing like like you did, Brad. Like I mean, when you go play There's places, no venues you pretty here. much have to play covers. And I always played in or, bands yeah. where we wrote our own songs. Yeah. And there was very few outlets or venues for that, and so we thought it was important to to, to create that or to have that be part of what we're doing. Um, you yeah, guys got the uh, space for it for sure. No, for sh- for sure. And and we had one the other week. It turned out great. And and like you know, if they have something on CD or vinyl and they want to sell it, they go there. They they can play. They can sell it. They keep anything they sell. We're not asking for any of that. And then afterwards, we'll buy some from them and sell it in the shop afterwards. That's um, awesome. You know, so we're we're really trying to support local there that way. I mean, I think, you know, so I think the in-store performance thing is the next thing for us that we really wanted to branch into. And would that be Friday nights? Yes. Yep. Okay. I'd like to actually host a MOG from Rev Records. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Let's do it. Coming up like a Sunday afternoon or something. Instead of doing it here. We had yoga there. Yeah, we did <laughs> have Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that work? <laughs> it went crazy. Now hold this record up. <laughs> kick your leg back. So actually the, the uh, yoga instructor picked out the records that she wanted and then they had they had a pop-in class. It was Love Evolution. They had a pop-in okay, class cool. there. They and were then, in between locations, right? Where they, yeah. They, yeah. They, they were out of the one and not quite into the other. Yeah. And so and so what I, I, I yeah. DJ'd. <laughs> okay. So, so the doors yeah. weren't open to the public. Nah. I could just see somebody walking in, like just stepping over people. Like, well, but that's usually to get the to way the it sticks. was. Where's well, the sticks records? <laughs> somebody doing dog, downward facing dog over here. <laughs> when we were in the uh, when we were in the market, Darmory Marketplace, uh, Saturday morning was always a yoga morning, yeah. and so oh. we, we we would come in, and there would be people from one end of that courtyard all the way into the parking lot and around and. And somebody was, you know, the music was coming from somewhere. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you were literally threading in between people and yeah, trying to get to the You had Zumba class over yeah, there, too, right, yeah. on occasion. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and, the, and then the other big thing that we have coming up, Brad, and, like, I love to plug this right now is Record Store Day. Okay, when's um, that going to be? That's April 23rd. 
Oh God, um, that's like two Saturdays, three Saturdays away. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's the fifteenth anniversary of Record Store Day, and and you know for for you or your listeners, if you're not aware of what that is, it's. I mean, really, it's a it's a worldwide celebration of independent record stores you guys and, are and the be musicians. Slammed. We will, but like we've gotten, I think we've gotten pretty good at that. Like, like the, one of the cool things, like in, in running this business right now, is like prior to doing it, we were all collectors, right? We've shopped at a lot of record stores, and, yeah. and with Record Store Day. We've been in those lines. We've been on the other side right. of it. So, like, we we kind of had a really good idea of what we liked, what we didn't like, Absolutely. what worked, what didn't work. And, like, we, we've uh, – I, I think we offer a really good environment and a really good experience for that day. And we're going to have some cool things for our customers. Uh, uh, you know, that day we're not ready to talk about, but we will have a giant selection of exclusive and limited release record store day. Awesome. Uh, titles that day so that's uh that's april 23rd so uh and what time you, are you guys gonna be open because i know that the line will be wrapping out about eight o'clock nine o'clock uh eight o'clock will be when we open okay um coffee bar across the street is going to open at 6 a.m make sure everybody's caffeinated and fed <laughs> ready to shop yeah ready to shop and uh we'll be ready to rock and roll at at, at eight o'clock well jason mark and sean thank you so much for coming on to the mouthful of graffiti podcast check out record store day on april 23rd uh, doors open at eight o'clock so do not be late awesome thank you brad we appreciate it thanks for having us yeah